Hi, everyone. Welcome to RV2 Cent. This is uh, Robert sitting virtually across from you guys, uh, and virtually across from me is Roy. So today, we would like to talk about venture capital investing. Um, definitely a very popular term and an exciting term, and uh, exciting terminology and exciting business model. Uh, it's been around for, for decades, uh, since the 1950s, as early as the 50s. Or, you know, you can make an argument that uh, 500, years, 500 years ago, when the uh, Spanish queen gave some money and uh, ship to Christopher, Christopher Columbus, mm -hmm. that was a venture capital investing, right? That was the mm -hmm. form, essence of, uh, essence of the uh, VC investing to discover a new country, even though he did yeah. not go to India, but he found America. So anyway, that's the first thing I think of as, as, as the, you know, the origin of venture capital. Um, it's it really very informed, but the, the, the essence of it is really um, that's a new project, something new that's lots of unknown, but uh, people are willing to uh, use capital to back it. And that's famously um, Columbus had from the Spanish queen. So, that's something mm -hmm. I can think about. And, and also today we want to uh, ask Roy a lot about uh, specifically the Chinese market uh, these days, now, 2020, um, how uh, VCs in China are doing, uh, what kind of projects they're looking into, and what kind of hurdles they face, uh, and entrepreneurship in general in China, and new companies and how they're blossoming or develop. Okay. Yeah. So um, obviously with the, with the recent COVID-19 and the whole global situation, venture capital, the industry is being affected as well. So. Yeah, like you said, I think I think venture capitalism is a uh, is a driving force of uh, innovation in our society nowadays, right? Okay. That example you give of uh, Christopher Columbus, it's uh, mm -hmm. signified by uh, being adventurous and uh, venturing venturing into the unknown, right? Yeah. So it's an exciting field, and for entrepreneurs, it's um, highly relevant. So how, uh, what what are kind of things, like major trends you're seeing in China? Like, let's get just get right down to business. Well, like, yeah, what yeah, are the like, yeah. top so, three so, industries that you see people investing? So the industry is a very cyclical. It's uh, it's mm -hmm. it usually it's heavily influenced by how the economy is doing, be it the whole in terms of fundraising or the amount of committed capital or the um, amount of good projects people can, can invest in, or even the just a sheer number of people working in the industry actually shifts quite a lot as the economy expands mm -hmm. and contracts. So mm -hmm. right after the dot com bubble, for example, the whole industry contracted for a few years. Mm -hmm. Same thing happened right after the financial crisis. So. Mm -hmm. As a cyclical business, pretty easy to come to the conclusion, right? That right now, uh, even before COVID-19, uh, the industry is already mm -hmm. in a phase of contraction compared to, at, at least in China, mm -hmm. the boom was boom, booming period was from, I would say, 2013, 14 to 2016 ish. And then in 2016, it yeah. started to contract a little bit. And then COVID-19 mm -hmm. has accelerated this trend. Mm -hmm. There's a few, few big changes that I'm seeing. First of all, is yep. uh, in the past two, three years, a lot of the bigger players in the industry in China has been expanding overseas into venturing into um, US, European markets. And obviously in different markets, they have kind of have to fit into the culture, right? For example, in Indian markets, usually they are more of a passive investor. They don't really work with entrepreneurs hands-on or be uh, have a lot of say in the, board, in the board. But right now, due to the whole political situation, the, yep. um, the, the, the expansion into India and the US has pretty much uh, been paused, teams being uh, disassembled. So mm -hmm. that's really being affected. A lot of the top players have to reshift the focus inwards or to other markets mm -hmm. where the political mm -hmm. risk isn't as high as uh, yep. with India or US. Because previously, I mean, US obviously is pretty easy. We don't need to explain why they were aiming at US, but India, mm -hmm. you know, a huge mm -hmm. population mm -hmm. and potential for growth. So right now, I guess Chinese VC expansion towards uh, international expansion has been impacted quite a bit. And then mm -hmm. second layer is the uh, kinds of projects people invest in. In the past, Mm -hmm. From 2014 till 20 till up until 2018, 17, most VCs in China invest into 2C products, 2C companies. Yeah. So these are your um, Uber, DD, right? Are your uh, yep. takeout yep. delivery services? 
right now there's a huge um, shift from to C products to to B products. Yeah, such as your um, to B to B softwares, to B products, or professional services. Yeah, I think it's mainly driven by an oversaturation of projects and investors in the two C space. First of all, is the uh, projects. The number of good projects have been um, declining. Mm-hmm. They're also highly competitive, right? Yeah, it was also highly, highly competitive for a lot of investors. So a lot of investors started this shift not because there aren't any good um, 2C products. Just too many investors competing for those uh, few good products. Mm. So, so the valuations get too high. Exactly. And then it's difficult for new players to enter into a field, you know, compete against top players and get good projects. So those new players that want to enter the market will have to shift their focus, have to find another competitive edge. And then the, the, the kinds of investors required for 2C and 2B products are also a little bit, little bit different. 2B products usually mm. have better uh, technological barriers, note. Mm. So it requires mm. the investor to um, be more technical than to see products. Mm. Right? To see products, most mm. are usually you know, network effect, uh, economies of scale, yeah. things of that nature, yeah. brand, right? So it's, it's, yep. it's easy for most people to understand, not just investors, for every, every, every day, for, for you and I, understand mm-hmm. it's quite easy. But mm-hmm. moving into 2B, like your Salesforce, Oracle, for example, these mm-hmm. kinds of companies require more understanding of technology. That's another, Big shift. Another one is actually uh, it's quite interesting. A lot of mm-hmm. the uh, VCs used to be it used to be funds used to be pretty uh, segmented, right? VCs do VC stuff, and then hedge fund like you do hedge fund stuff, right? But there's there's been a lot of VCs going into more later stage companies, even into public markets. Mm-hmm. Part of it, I think, is driven by the difficulties of finding good investment projects. And then another another mm-hmm. is thing is it's driven by the you know I think a connection between uh, primary and secondary markets. So. Um, yeah. VCs do have an edge if when if they're investing in their industry, right? When they're investing in public markets, mm-hmm. they also have an edge. You know, the research they've done for the project they've looked at, the project they've invested in, the research they've done for the industry can also be applicable to uh, public companies. So I think it's it's a shift that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So do so, you yeah. think? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So so, so do, do you think that um, the current stage of venture capital in China is a uh, would you say earlier stage uh, growing rapidly or very mature? Like in general, do you think, um, wh- wh- where do you think it's at? And, and also uh, what, what type of companies you talk about to be interested? What specific industries? Because I know healthcare is being a big focus, uh, for example, right? Um, but what other industries that are uh, very, very popular, right? Um, that, mm-hmm. And also um, uh, another point, so basically I'm throwing three questions all at once. You can you know, go, go, go with whatever order you want. Third is, you know, obviously with a state-run capitalism, you know, just calling it like, like what it is, you know, China yeah. is not a communist country, it's not a socialist country. Um, actually, you know, the whole ideology, not trying to bring politics into this, but just, just the way how business and economy works, uh, how people perceive it is very different, okay? Uh, Denmark is a, a socialist country. Norway is a socialist country, okay? China is a state-run capitalist country, okay? America is a private sector-run capitalist country. So the true communism is only this in North Korea, I guess. So anyway, the point is, uh, since China is state-run capitalism, so what role do you uh, see the government, uh, mm. policymakers are, are playing in China? Obviously, play, they play way more vital role in the economy in general, uh, in all aspects, in all aspects of all businesses in general uh, than the U.S. Right? Uh, China, you know, the government pushes for digital currency. Everybody says blockchain. China, the Chinese government pushes for uh, let's say electric cars. Everybody builds electric cars. There's no debate. Right? So, um, how do you think that's playing out? Okay, uh, what was your first question? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the first one is it's it basically do, do, do you, uh, which stage? Early stage, middle. Oh, I see. Is the Chinese event Yeah. Second is what kind of companies yeah. they're investing. Third is uh, the government role. Yeah. Yeah, I think in terms of the timeline, um, compared to the states, because uh, VC venture capital companies originally in the U.S. Right. Compared to the states, the history of VCs in China is very very short. I would say mainly started after even in the nineties. 
took off after the 2000s. It's relatively short amount of time compared to the amount of time the US, the VC industry in the US had, have had. But again, with China for the past 30 years, everything's accelerated growth, accelerated um, change of pace, right? So yep. I think as an industry in terms of talent, in terms of um, in infrastructures, in terms of uh, regulations, China is still relatively um, early, mm -hmm. especially talent. Um, but I, it's it's not as easy to judge because it's such a cyclical business, right? So it's just, mm -hmm. it's not easy to tell the short run, short term from the long term, right? So yeah, I think in term, I think it's a very talent driven industry, right? It's because first of all, the project you're investing in is such an early stage. Mm -hmm. You don't have much uh, like what you you are doing. You don't have much financial information. You don't have a lot of information to make a decision on. You are making a bet on the team, on the people, a lot of times, right? So yeah. first layer is that. Second layer is since you don't have a lot of information, you can run models with, um, then the judgment the judgment call becomes really, really important. The investor's judgment mm -hmm. is very important. So it's a human judgment on other humans. So it's, it's a very mm -hmm. um, talent-driven, human-driven mm -hmm. business. So uh, mm -hmm. the kinds of talent we have essentially will determine the ecosystem, the quality of um, the investments, the quality of the projects. Right? So I think mm -hmm. in terms of talents, we are still lacking. Like I, I remember one of our previous conversations we've had about the uh, semiconductor industry, how yep. you know, China has so few ex protocol experts in this field compared to the US. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. while the I, US I think, uh, leaders, leaders in semiconductors are actually all Chinese, uh, James and Huang, Lisa Su, mm -hmm. you know, Victor Peng, Victor Peng CEO of Stylings, um, and mm -hmm. uh, James and Huang CEO of NVIDIA, which company is now $300 billion. Lisa Su, CEO of AMD, with a company now $200 billion. So it's very interesting, especially mm -hmm. when very it comes to semiconductor manufacturing, very interesting. The Americans, yeah, yeah, yeah. Taiwanese, Chinese, Americans. Mm. Yeah. And, and, uh, mm. and, you know, they are the leaders of the semis. And Taiwan semi, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. one of the largest in the world. So, yeah, so that's very interesting how these people are actually leading the, the technology industry, it's the hardware side of the tech industry, just like the Indians lead the software side uh, in the US. But in its own country, in its home country, China lacks uh, semiconductor man, um, manufacturing in general, and India lacks software innovation. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe yeah, so um, the, the environment does, does play something. Exactly, exactly. Except for now the, now the people, right? People have potential, but it's just like the environment hasn't had, you know, people haven't, the industry hasn't had enough time for nurturing, yep. right? So it really came to public public view in 2014, yep. uh, largely driven by the government's lead, the state's lead, right? So mm -hmm. now it's only been, what, six years since 2014. So it's very, very short. Yep. Um, but it's the development has been way faster than compared to the US, right? Because US was sort of like a natural development of an industry where China can look at what the US has gone through and then basically mm -hmm. borrow a lot of the regulations or how they've done things. And also yeah. being a globalized world, it was, you know, the first first VCs that entered China were Western from US or European VCs. And a lot of mm -hmm. working together was Chinese VCs. So Chinese VCs was able to learn a lot from those early uh, companies who entered China back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, I, I would say it's, it's industry started in the US. So US is in the Western country is still taking a lead in terms of mm -hmm. how developed the industry is because uh, LPs play an important, important role, right? The, um, they do. The, the judgment mm -hmm. of the LPs, the long-term or short-term horizon of the LPs, the kinds of quality of the LPs influences the quality of the managers and the decisions they make yeah. and then down to the projects they invest in. So the whole ecosystem mm -hmm. is very largely influenced by LPs. So let's say that even if the entrepreneurs or managers are really, um, how should I put this, very um, uh, up-to-date and like you know, do things in international ways, but if the LPs aren't caught up, it's, it's mm -hmm. still kind of drags the industry, you can call it behind a little bit. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. for example, a lot of Chinese LPs compared to, um, I would say, LPs in Western countries, the time horizon is a little bit different. I'm sure you've felt the same with um, your fund. I would yep. say investors in 
the US at least, you generally have a long-term, more long-term horizon than compared to uh, investors in China. What kind of horizon do you see in China? Uh, US, it depends. it depends. There are some very short-sighted people as well. Well, what about on average? Let's say institutional, let's say endowment funds. Um, yeah, they have a pretty, actually institutional investors have a medium range reach, I would say, a medium range time frame, but a very tight reach. Uh, they don't okay, allow too okay. much uh, okay. fluctuations. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, okay. high net worth individuals are actually the markets where they are patient, they can, you know, some of them can wait for quite a while. Okay. And well, I, I think yeah. European investors tend to be longer term. I, see. Europe, I, I think European, it's, uh, it also makes sense in that, um, you know, a normal VC fund is usually at least six years, right? Six to 10 years, usually 10 years. Agreed. So Agreed. Yep. since 2014, it's been six years. If you are a new, a new VC that started in the 20, 2010s, you've had well, one fund, maybe it performed well. If I'm a new LP, you come to raise money from me. How much historical performance data do you have to show me? Right? You have, you have had yeah. one successful fund. Okay. How much yeah. confidence does that yeah. really give me? So if I don't have much confidence yeah. in you, I'm going to want, I, I would want to see some really quick short-term returns, right? To, to, to yeah. prove to me that you are capable of handling my money, yeah. managing my money well. Yeah. So I guess mm-hmm. it's, it's natural for uh, LPs to demand a more short-term return or at least show our performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so good point. And, and I, I call that yeah. by um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, judgment on people there. Um, there's a lot of uh, how to read, read through the TVs and, and, and judgment of character and see um, somebody's else vision and of somebody else's vision. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. An LP going in, some, some VC manager trying to raise money from you, right? Let's say you're Lloyd, you're going, uh, let's say it's a million dollars R&B, you try to invest, okay. You, if that VC manager, let's say six years, like you said, right, doesn't really have the record before, and or you know he's actually excellent, but he's basically his investments are taking time to play out, right? He could be excellent, mm. but there's nothing to show for it just yet. Then what he investing, in, especially early stage companies, it's about the team, it's about the people, the entrepreneurs, the mindset. And he's reading those people. So basically, you are making a judgment, okay, yeah. as an LP, on the manager, yeah. and the manager is making a personal judgment on the entrepreneurs he's investing. So basically, yeah. you are trying to make a judgment on him and a peace judgment on the entrepreneurs' judgment. So um, that's why, um, you know, I, I, I sort of follow Charlie Munger all throughout my, my investment, uh, short investment career so far is that what he said is that that's why it, it's investing is not pure science. It's not physics, right? He said then Albert Einstein would win at this or, would, or, or, or Isaac Newton. It's not just physics. You don't get, say, one plus one to two and a certain law yeah. and then it's, it's always that way uh, because there's a social science aspect to it. There's a, you, you have to understand what kind of uh, people you're dealing with and uh, mm-hmm. uh, have a good sense of people and the good grasp of uh, what kind of uh, human nature, what kind of a team you have, your human nature, what kind of team you're investing into and what yeah. are their capabilities and also what are their limitations. Uh, that is something yes. uh, up to, for the LP to decide to be a good you know, investor, yes. investor himself because if you, yeah. if, even if you're investing into a fund, you're still an investor, right? You have to pick and choose, right? Yeah. So uh, that's one skill the LP needs to have. Then the GP yeah. you know, or the manager needs to have the skill mm-hmm. of reading those teams. Now those teams need to have a good skill. That's more to be to see business than to be, but either way, that team actually the entrepreneurs himself needs to have a good understanding of human nature. What kind of products? Why do mm-hmm. you buy more Lululemon than yep. Under Armour? Yep. Uh, they're just leggings. Why are Lululemon more popular? Right? The Lululemon yep. CEO or the, the team must have a better idea of what kind of leggings people want to wear, what a culture, what a brand behind it. Why do Starbucks coffee charge more than other mm-hmm. ones? Right. So uh, mm-hmm. that those teams have to have an understanding of people. So at the end of the day, people, 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 all the way to the end. So um, can't emphasize that, that enough. I think something just to keep, keep people some sort mm-hmm. of uh, um. Uh, thinking behind it, it's 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 a yeah. circle, you know, um, of understanding. It's a circle, of circle of people, circle of uh, individuals. Yes, I think it's just uh, Exactly. It, it comes down to the most core. It comes down to the simplest things, but it's yeah. actually what yeah. a lot of people don't miss that, right? 
and, and every situation is still different. There's no formula. You know, you can't plug in to, that's why math geniuses can figure out anything, but, but there's no formula of, of let's say, um, this, let's say a good, uh, good entrepreneur with this kind of business model, with that kind of, that kind of networking factor, with this kind of product, would guarantee to be successful because the world is so intertwined, right? You are doing something, somebody yeah. else is doing something, that person is doing something. It's all intertwined. So um, that's why success is hard. It's very hard. Yeah. So I mean, you know, being in the industry, uh, obviously from a different stage of nothing, but yeah, just mm-hmm. having humility about it, no matter the outcome, yeah. right? especially when you have success yeah. or when you have failure, having the humility, understanding messing is hard, you know, because the world is so intertwined and it's very complicated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of noise, right? The ability to dig through the noise and find the truth, it's uh, it's mm-hmm. difficult, certainly nowadays with all loads of information flowing around. Um, yeah, like, I, I totally agree with you. It's a lot of judgment call on people, especially mm-hmm. going back to US China, especially with Chinese funds, a lot of local funds started in China, they don't have a lot of historical performance data to show to the LPs, right? The LPs are largely mm-hmm. making a judgment call on the, on, the, on the people. And then this industry yeah. becomes very, I guess, network heavy industry. Right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what was your second question? Uh, regarding how, uh, what kind of uh, um, businesses that these days, uh, VCs in China in 2020, that seem to be very hyped on or interested in or have a strong uh, capital flow into? Like, is it syntax healthcare? Is it logistics? Is it uh, real estate? Is it, you know, uh, hardware manufacturing? Is it uh, consumable beverages? Mm-hmm. Is it like, is it uh, apparel? Is it education? Like, what kind of specific industry? Or even companies that you are hearing that generating a lot of buzz, or, or at least seems to be the trend that VCs are investing into now. Well, I would say a big shift is from um, like the consumer to businesses. So from um, mostly consumer-driven software, apps, products, yep. to the other side, to other businesses. Used it used to be that a lot of funds have a department or sector that focuses on to be businesses, and that used mm-hmm. that used to be not the uh, center of attention. But now mm-hmm. in recent two years that has become more and more uh, into the spotlight, into the center of attention. So I would say a lot of uh, 2B softwares is, uh, I guess you can call it trending uh, this this year or these two years compared to the past. I think we've seen that shift in the US probably in the past five or six years, but now in China, shift is starting. I think there's a difference between the center of attention in the industry versus what the top players are focusing on. From what I'm seeing, the top players have a longer term horizon Mm -hmm. and they they have the talents and capabilities to invest into more niche or technologically sophisticated companies because they have Mm -hmm. the talent, they have the research capabilities to dig into uh, pharmaceuticals, to dig into bioscience, to dig into, for Mm -hmm. example, uh, let's say cancer research or detection, early detection Mm -hmm. of cancer, things like of that Mm -hmm. nature. But to venture into those projects, it requires the VC firm to have the research, the talents to assess those projects, right? And those have a higher knowledge barrier than say your SaaS softwares or your to see apps and services, Mm -hmm. right? Much higher barrier. Mm -hmm. I think so there's a difference between the center of attention versus what the top players are focusing on. The top player is the most resources. Yeah, investing to, let's say, highly sophisticated technological barrier industries. There's actually a chart I've read recently of uh, the okay. average U.S. biotech investment fund since 1986 to now. Um, these are highly sophisticated, hiring PhDs into cancer research, gene editing, all those things. Okay. The average return for them is 7.5% for 1986 to now is what is it? 14 years. Mm. 34 years. Um, it's 7.45%. If one were just to buy Coca-Cola, it would be 22%. Mm. 
Um, mm, so that's very um, it, it's interesting how all those work being put in, because a lot of companies sell, right? Yeah. Because well, high, I mean, high bio is just one, one example, example, right? And it, mm-hmm. bio is just one example of more sophisticated technologies, right? It could be AI, um, mm-hmm. robotics, or uh, yeah, mm-hmm. renewable energy things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be interesting to look at the returns, but it's difficult to look at the re- see the returns, you know, because mm-hmm. it takes a, a long time for uh, investor capital True. to see the performance of your decisions. Let's say in a recent two years, people have shifted into a lot of you know, investing in a lot of SaaS softwares. But, so, but now people yep. haven't, the results are not in yet. Right. It will still take yep. a few years mm-hmm. to see if they've yep. made the right judgments. But uh, with, with VCs in China, it's, um, it's very, how should I put it, the performance of the funds is very consistent, where the yeah. top players consistently perform the best year over year, fund over fund. So mm-hmm. you're talking about like Sequoia, Zing Fund. Yep. Yeah, okay. yes, yes, those ones. So it's, it's highly concentrated into the, the top players. Well, mm-hmm. based on this historical pattern, I would say probably the decisions these top players are making will turn out to be better than the majority of other VC funds, eventually mostly, mm-hmm. mostly into 2C and SaaS softwares where it isn't as sophisticated, technologically speaking. Makes sense. Also, yep. another mm-hmm. factor is competition, right? Like you said, a lot of competition drives up the evaluation. If, if, it's, if it's a SaaS software, you're going to have a lot of VCs competing, trying to put money into the into the company, right? So that's also a problem. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seems like a good description of uh, what's going on. It's pretty common in the world, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But, but the whole industry in the, since 2016 has been contracting. So raising money is uh, has become mm-hmm. more difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. yeah. So what about the third question? The government's role in terms of uh, how Chinese VCs perform? How does it impact their venture? Venture capital firms overall is an industry mm-hmm. that is heavily influenced by um, regulations. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, not, not just regulations directly on the VC industry itself, but regulations that mm-hmm. impact the whole texting and the tech ecosystem uh, or the business mm-hmm. ecosystem as, uh, overall. Right. So. Mm-hmm. A lot of disruptive technology have to, like Uber, had to uh, fight with regulations, right? So the, the shift and moving regulation it's, has been impacting, has been very influential on how what mm-hmm. VCs investing into. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would say in China, the difference is in China, the government lays out clear, clearly lays out the, the five year, 10 year, sometimes 30 year plan. Yep. Usually they stick with the plan, uh, unlike uh, mm-hmm. in, in the U.S., where, where if Biden gets elected versus Trump, the sentiment can change a lot, quite dramatically, right? So if, if Biden mm-hmm. gets elected, more $2 trillion into renewable energy, right, into climate, uh, the climate mm-hmm. act. If Trump gets elected, the oil industry wouldn't be as heavily impacted. So it's, 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 mm-hmm. you don't have like a five-year, 30-year, 10-year guidance to look at, mm-hmm. whereas in China, the government lays out clearly a path for you to, to, to look at. So the industry that mm-hmm. the Chinese government supports are the ones... Um, mm-hmm. VCs and entrepreneurs flock to. Do you think that's an advantage for, for Chinese uh, investing journal or venture capital? Um, or do you think that's a disadvantage? I think it's a double-edged sword. It works well if the government's plan or direction proves to be right. right? If the government's mm-hmm. 5, 10, 30-year plan pro- proves to be right, then um, I do have confidence in uh, Chinese decision makers, states' ability to uh, foresee direction. Because, you know, I think, I think leaders in China have a very good understanding of history. So mm-hmm. I think and I hope they can foresee the large long-term trend or cycles. So mm-hmm. the obviously the ability to make a 30 year, 10 year, five year plan is is much better because you, you give people more time to prepare and you know the society prepare and work towards one direction instead of changing direction every four or eight years, right? Depending on the yep. political sentiment. But if the leaders turn out to make the wrong decisions, wrong judgment calls, then it can become disastrous. We've seen that in the 1960s, where when China was still a mostly communist country, right, with a great leap forward, with a cultural revolution, mm-hmm. where the leader makes one mm-hmm. you know, not perfect judgment and it becomes 
disastrous. But yeah. if the leaders make the right judgment call, then you know, it, it may be glorious. So it's a double-edged sword. I would say in China, the results are usually more extreme than the US. Mm. Got it. Yeah, got it. Interesting. So, yeah, what are the things that you think um, are, let's say, um, if you were, let's say, running a VC or where you were entering to invest into a uh, venture capital fund, um, what are kind of things you would be uh, interesting? Uh, can be specific companies or specific industries, but also in general, what kind of trends uh, that you think will shape our lifetime, uh, let's say, in the next uh, decade or two decades, you look longer term, or, you know, you can go shorter if you see something within a couple of years as well. Uh, just your personal take. As from your experiences, mm -hmm. you know, um, just you know, throughout your life, you know, it doesn't have to be very super sophisticated or advanced, but you know, your own uh, customized view of this. What are the things that that particular spark your interest? Mm. Well, um, I'd say I think similar to you, I like to focus on things that we've spoken before about this topic of uh, uh, principles mm -hmm. versus uh, tactics, right? I, I like to focus on pay attention to things that don't shift, don't don't change as frequently. So uh, more of like a long-term trend versus, you know, mm -hmm. to see companies nice. these four years or to be companies these next six years. So, um, right now we're yeah, moving to yeah. blockchain, next we're moving to VR, next we're moving to SaaS. So if, you, if you're always just following the trend, then you always jump into the, 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 the most competitive projects. You're going into yeah. a very, very high value, expensive valuation. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's unlike public markets, you can't sell before the, you can't sell to the next four easily, right? So mm -hmm. um, yeah. it isn't very smart. Doesn't make a lot of doesn't make sense to me, you know. So if if mm -hmm. I was to make one uh, one long term trend, obviously uh, like like life science or bioscience is one trend, but though that's not something I am particularly interested in. I would say mm -hmm. companies. I think companies are forever seeking ways to um, you know seek a large larger margin, right, to mm -hmm. maximize stakeholders' uh, value. Right? So. Mm -hmm. I think if that brings if that assumption is true, then companies will always be looking for ways to lower cost, because lowering cost yeah. is one of two ways of expanding or keeping margin. Right. No matter what company we're talking about across the globe, mm -hmm. a big part of the cost comes from labor, especially in emerging developing countries. Right. So mm -hmm. I think the need for I guess replacing labor with technology will be there in the long term. So mm -hmm. obviously that can have other implications in terms of the employment market or society. But mm. I do think that it's an inevitable trend. It's not like, it's not something where you and I can stop or slow down the shift. Nope. It's a trend that's inevitably going to happen. And I think perhaps it's free, will free people up to do what people are really good at, creative things, right? Or things mm. that deal with communication with, in the service mm. industry. But those, those things that really shine out, bring mm. out what's unique to humans. Instead of mm -hmm. sitting in assembly line, assembling iPhones all day, all day, yeah. um, well, having those people, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's isn't right. a mm -hmm. good use of human potential, right? So I don't mm -hmm. think it's no, I don't think it's evil, and also I don't think it's a trend anybody can stop. So mm -hmm. in the long term, if the globe, if our world is still in a largely capitalist system, then companies mm -hmm. play a vital role, and if mm -hmm. companies' ultimate goal, well. I'm not, you know, regardless, we're not talking about like corporate social responsibility, but the one main, one main goal I would say is to maximize stakeholders, shareholders value, right? If that's the main yep. goal, then lowering costs will forever, not forever, but in the long term be a very important topic. And then when we yep. talk about cost across, across countries, labor is a huge part of it. So I think mm. machines, technologies, replacing hu human mm. labor, replacing human labor, and then eventually lowering costs for companies will be a long-term trend that will stick with us. So under that umbrella, SaaS software mm. is one part of it, right? AI mm. is another part of it. So I think mm. any any 
you know, new technology that can provide value for businesses and for people overall to free up human potential and to lower cost for companies will be very uh, will be very attractive to me. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think. Uh, what, 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 what do you think about? No, I, that's, I'm adding that to one of my top ones. <laughs> I, I already agreed <laughs> before, but you, you sort of strengthened my, uh, the case for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think about cashiers, I think about assembly lines, I think about many things that simple, you know, uh, labor that could be re- replaced and also just more productive, more efficient. It's not about the machine cheaper than human, but, you know, the machine mm, more productive, big, yes. Process, yeah, exactly. process faster and stuff like that. Um, exactly. Uh, obviously, obviously, you know, if we go more extreme, you know, I, I do recommend, uh, Here's another part another podcast, which we're not getting paid off or receiving compensation from. Uh, Kara Swisher recently had an interview with Elon Musk on her podcast. Um, I think it's available on Spotify. Um, and Elon was there on there for 45 minutes, basically to talk about uh, AI doesn't have to hate us to kill us. Um, because when, when you get to supreme artificial intelligence, right? Okay, when you and I walk on the street, if an ant is in the way, we don't hate ants. You know, we step on it and then ants is gone. So at certain stage, right, uh, artificial intelligence could be, let's say, they could do everything we, we do, right? They, they can they can invest or, or they can they can draw art, they can make art or they can be super creative, they can make content, they can make movies. Personally, I do not think those are feasible or possible. Uh, well, pro- I don't think they are probable in our lifetime. Um, I think they're possible to be accomplished in the future. You know, certainly believe so. Um, so. I guess there is an awareness, awareness of that. And that's why Elon made the point about how Neuralink is so important because we have to connect our brain you know, to, to chips uh, to be able to imagine, let's say, you know, we, we didn't have to learn another language go at when we were little kids. How, think of how many years we spent learning English instead of just yeah. plugging the chip to your head and you download that freaking language, right? Or the history lessons yeah. they took about remembering the facts, 1949, China was born, you know, uh, 1786, uh, 1776, you know, Philadelphia, America was born those years. Like, well, why do I have to remember that stuff, right? You have to download the history, boom, to your head, you're good to go. No. So anyway, point is, you know, recommend everybody to listen to that podcast. That's what Elon speak about uh, the importance of Neuralink. Uh, we have to basically combine, with, we have to become uh, become like machines in many ways mm-hmm. to be able to compete with machines. I think it makes, yep. yeah, I think it makes total, total sense. sense. Um, people who, yeah, people who, who don't really get that, I think, you know, crazy, whatever, you know, I, I think he's trying to save, to save our ass here. Uh, he's, not, yeah. like, he's being very realistic. <laughs> yeah. He's being very realistic. So that's that point. For as far as I say, things in the 10 years range, because things is actually pretty short in the historical context, right? Or 20 year range. I totally concur with what Roy is saying is that the simple labor can be replaced. Like, I, I, I think, like I said, you know, at you know, some point maybe an AI could make Christopher Nolan, you know, Martin Scorsese level movies, but that's definitely way later than mm. the cashiers, you know, at CDS getting replaced, yeah. right? So um, that is something that produced basically free up uh, human beings' productivity. But also exactly. uh, to have that cost, obviously for companies and things like that. Yeah. So whoever can provide that kind of technology and those business models, I think uh, that's something I'm very big on. I agree yeah, with. I think it will be better to let humans do what humans are best at, right? Um, mm-hmm. Connecting and so, uh, you know uh, being you know um, creative. So yeah. some say that AI will eventually have creativity because creativity eventually result is a result of humans' imperfection, and the imperfection yeah. can also be programmed. But I, I think. Mm-hmm. Would you want to watch watch a movie directed by a, a, a algorithm? I mean, perhaps with the first one, people see it as something new and fun. But but maybe the, maybe, maybe the algorithm is too good that exactly targets what we like. Can't tell. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's maybe it's possible. so good. I hope, I, I hope it doesn't happen. I mean, I hope we will still have you know right. we humans will still have something we are yeah. uniquely good at. Because theoretically you know? speaking, if the AI makes yeah. really start to make them. And you watch them, you give feedback, or they see your eyeballs, they monitor the way you watch it, they will get better. They will be the machine learning. They have a lot of data from like video platforms like YouTube and TikTok to, oh um, my God. Yeah. 
yeah, as, yeah, yeah. yeah true. If you, if, you, if you talk about it that way, then it's, now it gives me gives me chills, <laughs> right? It could yeah. be even you are you could be completely hooked, more hooked than human made movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, so. I mean, I've tried TikTok, the Chinese version, and it hooks you. Oh it definitely God. knows what you like. Definitely knows what you like very yeah. quickly and very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so, it, it, so 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 powerful. Yeah, very powerful. It's it's a trend that we can't stop, and we hope to only advance to a certain stage. But I, we also want to participate in at this stage. Yes, yes, yes agree. And also, so that's one. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, I have maybe one of my own. You're asking. I would say energy yeah, transformation. So, right? <clears throat> yeah, energy transformation is another one. Oh, absolutely. I see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you know, wind, solar. Um, we can mm. use these things that are carbon neutral in the a world where you know oil and gas is clearly declining, and and, and there's only so many of it. Uh, no matter you know where you stop. Uh, mm, yes. The greenhouse effect, or or climate change, there are people who deny it, or, or whatever. The point is, you know, even if there's no climate change, you just still, still, there's still only so much oil and gas. So then we need, how can we survive after that? So um, mm. yeah, I think I think energy transformation is a big part of it. Everything we're doing now, we're charging the computer with electricity. We, you and I are speaking, you know, uh, with our AirPods and you know, running all the energy we have to like. I think about the human beings' lives before AC and air conditioning and heat. It was horrible, miserable. Mm. The, 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 the average man today looks better than John D. Rockefeller, uh, who was the richest <laughs> man, you know, about 150. It's true, right? Yeah, we yeah. look better than John D. Rockefeller. He, he can't kind of people cross from ocean. He can't fly. He doesn't have AC or heat. He doesn't, you know, forget about it. The point is, you know, so 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 we run so much depending on energy and uh, and, and find a truly energy efficient way to be able to run the earth. I think it's truly, truly, truly uh, crucial in our lifetime. Uh, no matter solar, wind, renewable, or uh, mm-hmm. anyway, that's other than oil. Um, natural gas. Well, however, however, we need to run it. I mean, every winter, like you know, you, you're from Canada. You know how, how much the entire you know country uh, in Russia and other northern part of the United States and northern part of China there's supposed to be a ton of heat. A lot of that still you know being generated from coal, right? Um, yeah. And, and how do we be able to keep people warming the winter in the future? So um, as simple as that. So I think energy transformation is much bigger and more important, in my opinion, than you know uh, an app or software product or any. You know, things such as let's say TikTok or giving more entertainment. It's important, yeah, but um, instead of that thing, you know, being invested 100, 220 billion, uh, why don't we do that for any transformation? That's why I think uh, there are very, very few special companies, mm. special companies will do that. But we need more. We need more. That, that's that's mm. how I look at that. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. So, so um, obviously, you are uh, you're in the US and you interact mm-hmm. a lot with um, venture capital investors in the United States. So, mm-hmm. what differences mm-hmm. are you seeing? Um, from what I just told you about um, the development of Chinese VCs nowadays versus what's going on in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I would say um, same as my three questions. I've got three different points. Um, you'll be mm-hmm. sort of surprised. There are a lot of things that are similar. So I'll point out like three, at least minor, uh, not so minor things, but just three things that are different. So one, sure. uh, it's government, right? Obviously, uh, not as dependent yeah. on policy. Uh, it's almost like yeah. a non-thinking um, of, of policy, how, how policies go. Private, market, private sector is completely free. Uh, so people do as they wish, and uh, as they were capitally. So so it's more capital. I guess you know money talks more even. You know, mm. um, so basically, like say, if, if you're able to get a good, a big backer uh, from from a certain project, right? The entrepreneur gets more confident. Uh, that uh, team gets more confident. Then, then other VCs are likely to jump in. Right? It's a Sequoia investing a round of blah 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 company, right? Um, mm. Other people are more likely to jump in just because you're confident for everybody. Then um, sometimes it creates a positive synergy. Uh, becomes a self-reinforced mechanism that keeps going, 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 and then things go well. Sometimes it doesn't, but you know, in, actually, in more cases than not, they, they do well. So I guess private sector power is more, uh, more, 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 more dominant here. Uh, instead of the, you know, they don't really, act, especially state. I mean, sometimes federal policies matter, and especially uh, 
you, you spoke about like green energy with Joe Biden's agenda, things, things like that. Uh, but on the federal level, yes. But state level, you know, like local governments in, in the states are no almost non-existent. Uh, they don't matter at all. Uh, there's no state borderline in anything. So people just innovate and go do their thing. Um, unlike mm-hmm. in China, I know people even consider like different provinces. They have different uh, officials yep. and different kind of policies, yep. right? Shenzhen has different. Yep. Like, yeah, those things are considered frequently in China. Um, mm-hmm. In the US, mm-hmm. not as much. The market is considered more frequently. Let's say. <clears throat> If it's a 2C product, uh, they don't want to launch in Oregon, they don't want to launch in New York, like Lemonade, right? It's a SoftBank-backed uh, uh, insurance tech company. And they, they, they launch in New York because it's highly uh, concentrated. People live close to each other, plus millennials with past, with hope, and with uh, red insurance needs. So they basically build a bot. It's called Maya. Uh, it's a female bot that chats with you, and you buy insurance, take your claims, everything that way. Uh, no office needs, mm. it's just an app. Uh, you talk to the robot, done. <clears throat> and uh, lots of margins. Uh, Gross market is increased that way, and lots of costs being being driven down. But the point is, you know, they want to in New York, not in Oregon or you know South Dakota, right? So there's a reason for it. So yeah, they look at markets uh, in different segments uh, more versus, let's say, China. I know some of them still look at like different provinces how the policies go. So yeah, I was the first one. It's the public private sector difference. Um, second is um, in the U.S. Yeah, venture capitalists are um, maybe this is similar in China. I think it's getting uh, definitely getting more similar. Is that a lot of them do, there isn't a two, you know, a hardcore line drawn between entrepreneurs and, VC and, and, and venture capitalists. Uh, some of them mm. used to be, uh, you know, startup uh, founders and uh, social yeah. companies, or, or not, right? And then they become VC investors, like Chris Saka, right? Um, some of them are used to be VC venture backed, you know, work for VCs. Uh, but then they sit on the board of a company because the VC investing it. Then later on, you know, they really get involved in this company because they're part of the company. They left the VC, they work for the company. So there's no fine mm. line between that. And, and actually, uh, I think it's a, it's a good thing, um, especially for. I think it's more important for VC people to have actual uh, entrepreneurial experience than for entrepreneurial people to have VC experience. Uh, a good entrepreneur is a good entrepreneur. Mm. He can, you know, he or she can can do her thing without being a VC background, right? Obviously. But yep. let's say entrepreneur, you know, the best at it, one of the best. Peter Thiel, you know, was an entrepreneur. Uh, now, you know, Peter Thiel uh, Capital is actually one of the biggest VCs uh, in America. Uh, he's recently the uh, Palantir company. Uh, he's a big data company. Just went public. Uh, I think it's about twenty-two billion market cap. Now, and it, this is only one of his uh, big unicorn companies. He has a he has a bunch of others. So. Like obviously, Peter still comes from uh, being an entrepreneur himself. Now, fully into VC, right? Uh, unless his partner mm-hmm. Elon keep going uh, entrepreneur after entrepreneur, still entrepreneurs, right? Uh, but Peter still went into VC round. He's been quite successful, quite a bit successful because uh, it takes one to know what. So I think that's that's important. I think it's yeah. very important for VC people to understand and be entrepreneurs uh, versus the other way. So yeah, that's second. Um, third, um, I'm saying this is. I guess it's getting similar to. I would say there's a lot more academic people uh, more than you think are. The borderline isn't that that hard, you know. It's it, it, it become blurry as well. Um, I know there are people, you know, uh, from a, from a close with a um, uh, biotech PhDs who who start their own company. Like, oh, or actually, no, they're they're um, the professor for the biotech PhD. Like, you know, um, they're developing certain drugs for certain kind of treatments. Then uh, this uh, professor might be at a certain university teaching, but then he thought it's a really good idea to monetize that, and especially he has the uh, the intellectual property, uh, the patents to that technology. Then he starts a company on his side, have his students work for him and they build a team and go that way. Mm. And also, I know uh, people, let's say, back in Boston, like I know um, certain biotech companies would hire uh, people from like MIT or Harvard uh, to be set on their boards uh, to, to, to become part of the, basically, uh, in, within the industry to become VC uh, investors that way. And or, or, or this profession, there are like tons of academia people, you know, people who work in the academic field, but let's say the title might be a, uh, a professor at MIT. But he actually sits on three different companies' boards and uh, has a, his own private consulting firm. Okay, just consults for VCs 
uh, before mm-hmm. investing company. So basically, look into the company, right? Uh, the final stage, mm-hmm. I want to check if this is legit. Then they hire mm-hmm. like, an MIT professor, consulting firm. That firm might just came one person, one, one person else, you know, <laughs> and yeah. fee, right? And then, and then that person will go check on technology and all that. So mm-hmm. actually, there's a, a lot of cross match between uh, academia, especially the part you were talking about with the very high barrier to entry, uh, mm-hmm. you know, biotech, so uh, for sure, for, yeah, for sure. Uh, others as well, chemicals, applied materials, physics, um, things like that. Uh, there's a lot of a uh, cross. Uh, between industry and academia, and, uh, um, and and it's interesting for the ones who are in academics, they have ways to to get more exposure, uh, to monetize mm-hmm. themselves, monetize their knowledge, which I think is important. It's incredibly important. Um, we're seeing a little bit in China too. Actually, have a, we have talked about this obviously. Uh, off, you know, after podcast as well, I've you know uh, I've known PE firm actually uh, for my you know I recently moved to China and and and, and uh, they launched uh, a a new biotech co- a medical device company in China and uh, they have like professors from Fudan University sit on the boards and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it's more common for the, for, uh, for China as well. Uh, I do think before uh, before the recent trend though, it's harder for let's say a professor at Peking or, or Fudan to to monetize their knowledge uh, or mm. to monetize as much as people in the U.S. because people you know here like MIT Harvard professors really know how to how to make their uh, bank for the buck. You know? So, but yeah, mm-hmm. so I think that's the trend as well. So overall, I would say people who have expertise, people who can see patterns, people who can, um, who knows, who, who understand what consumers want and need and, and where the world's going, uh, will be successful at venture uh, capital investing in general. Um, it's just the essence of venture capital investing. Um, Bezos was looking for a hedge fund, uh, doing quantitative trading, building boring math, boring math models uh, at the shop back in 1994, right? And in uh, 1996, he read somewhere, it says like internet's about to expand like a thousand times in the next five years or something, user base or something. Then he's like, right, I'm going to quit this thing. 1997, mm-hmm. went to Seattle, study Amazon, South and Book, the rest of the history, right? So um, I think people come from all different backgrounds um, and, and, and uh, uh, not too much different from entrepreneurs. VC, venture capital, good venture capitalists uh, have a unique understanding of the world, have a uh, uh, great vision. Uh, I, th- I think the difference is maybe entrepreneurs need to have stronger execution skills. Uh, venture capitalists need to understand who has the execution skills and who doesn't. That might be the difference. Um, great VC investors, let's say after PayPal, Peter Steele doesn't have to execute as hard. As, per, as to perfection as he was as an entrepreneur anymore. He has to understand the people he's investing into and put the money and capital and energy into the right place, right? But yes. Elon continues to be an entrepreneur. He has to execute to perfection uh, and under yes. massive scrutiny to, to, to continue to thrive because that's a harder job overall. Just like, you know, uh, yes. I, I don't think Hedgehog mm-hmm. is any sort of fancy thing or anything like that. Uh, it's a harder job uh, for the companies that, you know, uh, funds are investing into, for the funds, doesn't matter if me or Warren Buffett or whoever's investing into, to execute to perfection. But for uh, what, what it needs to become, let's say, Warren Buffett, uh, is that you need to be able to have an understanding of how uh, those people execute and takes one to see one mm-hmm. to be able to understand how they work. Uh, I would say yeah. that's the major difference, but there's a lot of commonalities for sure. Yeah. Mm, yes, yes, yes. I would say another difference probably an entrepreneur needs to understand his company, his industry, one industry really, really well, and one company really, really well, right? Or his competitor yeah. really, really well. Whereas VCs have to have a slightly bigger, also they have to have a focus, but slightly bigger horizon. Absolutely. Absolutely. They have to understand the whole, and, understand the whole industry's ecosystem, yep. whereas, you know, I'm going to focus on one. Right? And then also yep. the, the, the I guess, yes. So that, because, because eventually VCs are an entrepreneur. I, I, see as, I see as entrepreneur who participate in multiple companies at once versus entrepreneur yep. participating yep. in one company. Because a lot of VCs are very hands-on, right? You actually grow with the mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. So, so, mm-hmm. so it's, it's an entrepreneur that participates, splits his energy among a few companies versus one entrepreneur is putting 100% of energy into one company. Yeah. 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 So yeah. being for asset allocators, that's the key thing to be able to to see different um, different businesses and have them compete against each other, right? No matter if it's VCP mm. or hedge fund, you have a portfolio, right? And you have a, uh, a, a you don't have an infinite amount of capital, you have a definite amount of capital, no matter how big, right? So uh, you have a fixed mm-hmm. amount of capital, 
and you have a uh, potentially many, many portfolio selections. So they compete against yep. each other all the time, even though they're teammates. Yes. That's like coaching, right? Uh, you have 23 players on a soccer team. You, you can only play 11 at a time. So I describe yes. investors, you know, uh, professional investors as coaches and entrepreneurs as players, right? So coaches mm-hmm. obviously, you know, can't directly, directly affect the outcome like say Cristiano Ronaldo on the field or LeBron James. But coaches play a vital role because who do you play at the time? Uh, what are the mm-hmm. selection? That's the selection you're making mm-hmm. at the time, and how do they have synergies with each other? And uh, how, how how does that? What is the most efficient way to capture portfolio returns? So um, sort of making that that selection. But the players have to perform themselves, and you know what kind of players will be the performers. So um, that analogy I find it very very fitting. The coaching versus mm-hmm. the player, the investors versus the, the business people uh, in the business world. So very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Well, another thing I wanted to ask you about is, uh, what's your view on uh, a lot of VC early stage investors shifting into mm. you know, later stage investing, like uh, investing mm. in public markets? Mm. What, what, what are your thoughts mm. on that? Are you seeing the same in the US? I, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, South Bank's leading that, uh, even though they're Japanese, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, they're in, in, in investing in the US. Mm. I would say most, for the most part, it's okay. Uh, it's, I don't think there's nothing wrong with it. Um, it it's, 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 look at this one. So I would say, especially for this year, let's say with COVID, and like I would say, a good asset allocator, a good investor, knows an opportunity, and what sees you know knows an opportunity when he sees one, right? So at least supposedly, you know, they 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 make one and they miss. So if that's the case, sometimes public markets because human emotions are so extreme, right? When there's extreme fear, extreme you know dislocation, extreme volatility, that creates a larger um, discrepancy between what the business true value is versus the price it's selling at. So. Mm-hmm. Then, if VC funds have the, let's say Silver Lake, you can look up like back in March, Silver Lake is a you know private equity firm, so they're more the later stage by private level companies like C round, C round, but not public mm-hmm. securities. But <clears throat> during this March, right, uh, they did their typical thing: they uh, invest in another of their holdings, Airbnb, at an extremely low valuation because of COVID hit, right? That's their typical move in mm-hmm. the private market, and uh, issue debt to Airbnb, five year maturity debt with eleven and a half. Uh, almost 12% interest rate because Airbnb needs money to survive at the time. And those mm-hmm. are incredible good deals, right? 12% on Airbnb, sure. you know, um, as a debt deal, that's great. Um, but also they bought Expedia, uh, which is a public traded company, uh, traded extreme lows during travel, during the, you know, the COVID shutdown, down almost like 75%, 80%. And so like that, we're going to take a majority stake um, in Expedia. And along with Apollo Management, which is another private equity firm, and they both took up uh, four board seats. There's only nine board seats at Expedia. So they took up four board seats immediately, invested a lot of money, bought up Expedia very cheap. I think they only bought it for $64. Mm-hmm. Now Expedia is like 105 So they're up um, about 40%, uh, what do I mean, 60%. Um, then COVID's not even over yet, and Expedia hasn't even recovered uh, as far as the company's earnings go. So um, that's a good example. Um, and uh, obviously, SoftBank, well, I think they, they, they bought some media and things like that during the COVID uh, crash. Things didn't know well. Uh, so I would say, Doing certain situations like that is totally doable. It's, uh, it's definitely, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, th- I guess the, the difference is that a, a venture capital firm, and also they, they can use their advantage of, let's say, understanding businesses for the longer term, right? The difference is that I think this just comes to the degree of the business fundamental of the asset management industry itself. So it's not really too, uh, I guess, too, too, of a, uh, too big of a macro point of is it good or bad, or it's not that simple. It's just, when, you, when the VC firms have constructed a deal or a contract with the LPs, typically the lock period is like six years, seven years, or 10 years, right? Mm, so yep. the LPs have an understanding of these guys going to invest in early stage companies and invest in 50, maybe sell 45, but five of them you know, become 10 baggers, 20 baggers, you know, have 3,000% returns, and then they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So and that's why they lock the money for that long. But from the LP standpoint, if you, what they are doing mostly, if a VC firm completely becomes so 80% uh, investing in marketable securities, then the lock period, I think, should be, should be shorter, to be fair to LPs. Because mm-hmm. if, if those things could be sold at, at, at any time and it capture profits you know, or exit with losses, either way, um, 
then lots of people should be like hedge funds for like a year, right? Hedge fund mostly a year, some uh, maybe two, three years, but nothing more than two years. Uh, mostly a year mm-hmm. with a 30-day or 60-day notice, right? It's like a big, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's meant to, to provide uh, investors and LPs liquidity when they need it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a liquid product, right? So um, yeah. as, a, as far as the asset management product offering, I do think these are the most, especially for large VC firms, or even small ones, if their uh, principal uh, or their mission statement of their firm is to provide longer-term horizon, early-stage investments, then if, these, if occasionally they could, like this year, they can deviate a little bit from that. But longer term, if they mm-hmm. were to make a determination, we are better at mm-hmm. investing later stage capital market companies, that's fine. But they need to change their mission statement and their product mix and offer mm-hmm. a shorter redemption period for the LP. I really think that's a fair way to go and just look at from, let's say, if, I'm, if I were an LP, I would want that. So uh, that's how I look mm-hmm. at it. And, and also, let's say, like real estate investment, right? Uh, Blackstone, the best in the world, I see like private equity real estate. Um, they could go to market for three years and a half because that's how long it takes to acquire land, develop a condo building, sell it, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. there's a biotech fund recently launched by Blackstone, 7.5 billion. Okay, that lock is seven mm-hmm. years because there's like this is no real estate. You know, we're gonna we investing a bunch of mm-hmm. this, uh, kidney stone uh, surgery company. You know, they investing in Blackstone. Like that's gonna take years. It's not a condo sell. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, Blackstone. Yeah. This is seven years. Different products, different right uh, time frame. So I think if let's say if uh, if the VCs have completely go that route, they should uh, change their redemption period. Product. Uh, product. I see. Yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. I see. Just to be so, fair, you know. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, overall, I don't mm-hmm. think I, I think things translate. The ability to make judgment, the ability to 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 uh to generate alpha, to finding uh superior businesses than the average businesses, and to uh purchase things at attractive prices. I think those things are a good investors to be investor. Um, and and I think that translate. It's just on the you know as far as the nitty gritty of the, the industry and how uh things are being said and products being sold and investor contracts being written, I think that should be changed. But overall, like, say Warren Buffett has done plenty of private market investments, right? Berkshire acquired mm-hmm. little companies all the time. Those are all ventures, mm-hmm. you know? All those are ventures. Mm-hmm. He tried to candy for yeah. like $2 million. Now he's candy does 30, sells like $30 million a year in, uh, in, yeah. in revenue in candies. I mean, those are private investments. But he also buys public investments. Like it's just, you know, good investors know what to do all the time. Yeah, you know. his, his way, his style of investing is probably, you know, there are more similarities than differences between early and later yeah. stage investing, right? Versus somebody who exactly. uh, focuses on, you know, other type of strategies. Vice versa, Sequoia would be very, very good in public as a hedge fund. No doubt about it. There's no, you know, Sequoia, um, yeah, they'll, they'll be good at it. Just as simple as that. Or uh, Bailey, uh, Bailey Gifford, uh, you can look it up. Um, it's a, okay. a, a Scottish asset manager. They manage about 280 billion asset under management. Uh, Bailey Gifford. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been around since 1896. So they've been around for like about three decades now. Um, and they're the most prestigious, they think, European long term investor. They bought Tesla in 2013, Spotify 2016 as a private investor. Um, they, they they have many superior, they, and the typical holding periods are like about seven years for their public company investment, right? And also another underrated one, how about this, Tencent. Tencent owns, you know, 18% of Snapchat, 5% of Tesla, you know, 12% of Spotify, 18% of Axis mm. Blizzard, all these great companies, PayPal, Square, Tencent is all over the place, right? And Tencent is only yeah. being public him, himself, you know, that company itself is only being public since 2006. And uh, their mm-hmm. investment arm division really started taking off in 2011, 2014-ish. So, and they've done great things. So, uh, across public and private markets. So, I think, yeah, good ones, they know. And, and they come in different kind of forms. People don't, people get think about Bay Gifford. Uh, people in the industry do, but, you know, outside don't really know that much because they, they have a democratic decision-making system. There isn't one manager stands out. Uh, it's a team of people. Uh, but they've been around for three, for, well, not three decades, my bad, for three centuries now. And, um, and the most prestigious European money manager. People typically don't think about Tencent as a great investor, but they are. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Mm, wow, wow, very interesting, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Tencent's investment style. Yeah. Tencent's investment style, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I should look into that. Very interesting. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like you said, yeah. I, I never thought of Tencent, I never paid attention to their you know, investing style. 
So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They they know what to do. Yeah. 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 We are definitely at a, yeah, like uh, anything was this year, 2020, at a time of rapid change. Right. A lot of change happening. Yes. So, um, I also give another quick quote um, mm -hmm. to all the listeners regarding uncertainty and unprecedented. These words are used for so frequently in the, you know, so frequently in 2020 now, right? Yeah. Uh, uncertainties, uh, it's uh, during, you know, during these unprecedented times. Here's a famous word about the quote. I love it. He says, every single day you're living your life in, you know, in, in the world, there's uncertainty. Uh, on September 10th, 2001, there was a great uncertainty. You just didn't know it. You know, he's talking about the day before nine, before September 11th, 2001. He said, on the day of September 10th, I got up, get my coffee, drink my McDonald's, you know, whatever he does. And every, a lot of you all doing the same thing, same routine. It was uncertain. There was a lot of uncertainty. Next day, boom, mm -hmm. something huge happened. People lost their lives. Yeah. But you just didn't know it. He, so he's saying, you know, don't overemphasize or exaggerate the current situation or any situation. You know, that personally, people go through or, or, um, or, or the world goes through, right? Every day, a lot of people go have funerals and people pass away. It's very sad. A lot of new babies born. You know, lots of, every day, things just happen every day so differently for every person. Uh, every day, there's someone in the world. Think about This is very philosophical, actually. Everyone, uh, I'm sure there's thousands of people every day uh, get notification they, they, you know, from their doctors they announce they have cancer. But also there's thousands yeah. who, uh, who, who, who succeeded. There's thousands who IPO their company. There's thousands who, who, you know, who, who, who passed, who, who had a breakup. There's thousands who got married. There's thousands who were born. Thousands who, so if, 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 there's always uncertainty. Um, so uh, be, be, be I, guess, I guess be ready to, to live in an ever-changing world. That's the mentality and the ability we shall develop. Uh, instead of a little bit, yeah. uh, especially, I, see, I, see, I guess this year, people are a little bit uh, overemphasizing that we living live through great uncertainty is unprecedented. Well, you know, it is relative to 2019 for the world, I guess. But um, overall, if you expand you know, the, his the historical lens, it's not that special. Mm, yes, That's just, I would say just you know, yeah. try not to pay too much attention to the factors outside of our control. It just creates yeah, and, and people love necessary the negative people emotion. Love yep, people love the sensation, right? Oh my God, 2020, can you yeah. just keep on giving? 2020, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, people <laughs> yeah. love the sensation, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so we just focus on things we, within our control and have the possible, have different possible outcomes in the back of our heads, right? And, and, and like investors like you do this, but I think even for people in life, making life decisions, have like play out different scenarios, you know, see, just yeah. see if you can handle it, see how you should react in other different situations, right? So yeah, they, yeah. If, if they don't believe it, you know, try to do a little bit of investing and they will, you know, they will, they will give them a lot of humility. I think one thing, one thing I took away from 2020 is that, you know, don't try to um, make too much predictions about the future and also don't be too confident about those predictions, <laughs> right? No, no. Right. Range outcome. That's right. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I hope we'll have a less and less uh, less uncertainties as we move towards 2021. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hope so. And, and I hope so. That's what. Well, we'll see next week's election. Let's. Uh, well, next week. Next we'll, week's I think. I think there will be some surprises yeah. next week. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 Some yeah. some uh, keys for next episode is that we'll talk about immediate reaction from RZ2 cents after 2020 election. So. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps yeah. we can record it uh, during the election announcement. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Record your reaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be very interesting. I hope there's no riots on the streets. I hope there's no civil unrest. I think there will be. In the, I, think there will be. I think there will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Stay safe. Like, Walmart, but, uh, San Diego is Yeah. Hmm? Walmart, Walmart said already announced that Walmart's going to shut down like most of their stores next Not week. election day. Wow. Yeah, I just hope, you know. Just, just saying. I just hope if, if Biden wins, it's, it will be like a more landslide win, or else there will be a lot of riots. If Biden doesn't get a landslide win, yeah, there will be a lot of yeah. riots, I think. Some yeah. Uh, yeah. unrest yeah. for sure, you know. 
Yeah. Or if Trump wins them, but I think the Biden supporters, the very left people, I think they will be pro-tech too, though. Yeah. yeah, they will be. But I think the Trump ones will right. be more violent. <laughs> because yeah, the Trump protests are protests because of the conspiracy theories, right? Because of the, the, yeah, the election fraud. They have guns. They have guns yeah. too, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. They're mostly gone. Yeah. yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So, cool. 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 All right. So, um, All right. I think uh, this, this is our sort of second episode on venture capital. I think we used to have one before with, uh, with uh, Rishi. Uh, yes. Then. Oh, yeah. Um, Actually, second um, episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah, anyway. Right. Right. So, hope. Yeah. So, hope everyone enjoyed it. Um, we'll 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 keep you guys updated with the topic range week by week. Last week we talked about something mm-hmm. marriage and, and and life. How 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 the traditional the, the traditional Chinese family uh perspective on marriage. And this week we talk about business. Mm-hmm. Next week we're going to talk. So, um, just to switch it up to keep you guys interested. All right. Hope you guys have another good everyone. week. All right. Yeah. See you and uh, yes, yeah, yeah, Don't protest too much next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. Okay.